Imagine my wife wearing a pink onesie with a unicorn head on it, walking down the hallway, sleepy-eyed, an hour earlier than she had to be. Reclaimed Audio. Upcycling and making with reclaimed materials. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 47 for September 28th, 2016. This week's top Patreon supporters are, as always, Luis Gonzalez, Make, Build, Modify, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. That's a new horn. That is a new horn, folks. New that horn. is Tim new is horn. like upgraded the sound effects, and it's not costing you anything, but wait for our pitch later. <laughs> Trust in Timber, Sean Petty. And Scott Turner. I like how we have like our little segue halfway through the Patreon people so that we can like spiel a little bit with Jimmy. But uh, that was cool. What? Uh, anyways, uh, what are we working on, Tim? What are you? What are you working on? What am I working on? Uh, I just finished and put up the video for my chessboard that I've been working on, and I kept saying I was working on something fun, but I wasn't saying what it was because I like to surprise and, and be dramatic. But so I made a I made a chessboard out of. Uh, compact discs and records and uh, and cassette tape accents, and it came out pretty good. And then I'm editing the video right now for the pieces that I made out of some various instrument parts. Uh, but that I'm actually not working on anymore. I just finished them. I'm working on some uh, some fun new props. There's a new room that I'm making for this uh, adventure rooms that I've been working for. Uh, some new stuff. It's like a different theme now, but it's still reclaimed. And, and so I'm working on some of that stuff. No video. Um, and uh, I have uh, a couple of the little things going on. I just made this like little birthday present for my stepdaughter, Madeline, who just turned 18. And I'm going to be putting a video up for that in a couple weeks. And uh, that's about it. How about um, you, uh, Bill? We'll go Bill next. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I've got an idea for my next project. But I'd like to point out that I put out two videos this week. I, I put out two. Hold it. Wait for it. <laughs> videos this week i it just it's awesome i had my um uh, my tribute to jocko whatever which was um i like to call it the finger of love usb um uh made with uh uh my buddies marcus hosman and uh andrew um paragon oh wait 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 no Marcus Hoffman and Andrew Aragon. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, those guys, they're my best friends, I think. But they came over to help. And then uh, today, or was it last night, this morning? Some, I don't know. I, I'm in the paradox thing where we record one day and I'm talking to them later. My video is out now also for the table that was supposed to go with my bench that I made. And um, that was a lot of fun. That was that was a, a really fun build because it came out good. <laughs> but 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 I'd also like to address something because I got a lot of questions on why did I router the the entire circumference of the top of the table? And the reason being is because I used a wine barrel lid that has been sitting out in the open. Wine barrel lids kind of like um flooring or tongue and groove and it's really tight. You got to realize when they put a wine barrel together, there's no glue. It's it's just so tight, everything fits perfect. So when you pull apart a wine barrel and you pull that top off, which is like tongue and groove, over time it swells, it splits, it uh, and the ends of it were kind of screwed up. That's why I did it. Watch the video anyway. 
You'll see what I mean. Um, that's why I did that particular thing. Everybody who keeps yelling at me about it. And then um, um, also, I, I'd, I'd like to give a couple shout outs because, well, our buddy Bill Lavolsi is hanging out up at Jimmy's farm. And I wanted to say to Bill that as much as I love you, I hate you. And um, I, yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. And he was up there showing that uh, Jimmy was working like at two o'clock in the morning on his amazing. Did you guys see the 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 anvil stand that he made? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you yeah. also see that I did my typical troll, um, give him a hard time thing? And did you also see that I pissed somebody off? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I'd like to give a shout out to Joseph Mueller who immediately let me know that it wasn't cool because I said, Jimmy, you're going to give yourself blisters with that stupid hammer and that thing <laughs> will never hold the weight of an anvil. And this young man let me know that um, obviously it's holding the weight of the anvil because, well, it's holding the weight of the anvil. And because I'm uh, the word I will use is a sissy, I would be the one to get blisters. But <laughs> within the next statement, I, I uh, apologize and let Joseph know that Jimmy's a friend of mine. And I oftentimes give him a little bit of a hard time and everything is all better. And the guy seems to like me now. So that's good. But anyway, um, yeah, so th that's what I'm making. And then, you know, what's cool too. So for the table video, um, Scott Turner, our big, big, big supporter of ours. We love Scott. He not only watched the video, he not only liked the video, he noticed that, Hey Bill, I see that under that table right there is a great big giant industrial light fixture that you've been talking about. You're going to do something with. So I, I am going to announce now that will be my next video. My next project will be, we've been telling Scott, or at least I have, I've been telling Scott, yeah, I'm going to make it. I'll do that. So that's, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on an industrial light fixture build birdhouse, birdhouse pallet table bench inspired by Scott Turner, Davis, Sterling, Steve Ramsey, Tim Sway. Oh, Oh, Oh. And the last thing I wanted to say, Tim Sway put the music in my bird finger. What? Don't look at your wrist. I get to talk as long as I want. <laughs> Tim Sway gave me the music for my video for the bird, for the, the finger of love. And um, I cried. Jocko cried. Jocko told me that it was Tim. I may have liked bad. you a little bit before, but I just stalker level five. Now it's like Defcon five stalker <laughs> level five, baby. Thank you so much for that music, it was amazing. It it completely made that a video of something that could have been taken as negative. It made it into a beautiful thing that just said "ta-da" at the end. Anyway, I love you. Go ahead. Now what? Well, I'll, I'll tell you uh, that the song was a, a song I wrote when I was probably the the chord changes were to a song that I wrote like when I was in music college, like 150 years ago, and um, and then <laughs> I yeah. You know, it was the dark ages. And then uh, never anything really ever happened of it. You know, I wrote the song and it's, it sucks, you know. But um, I just recently fired up my home recording studio again for the first time in like six years since like Vance was born. And um, wow. and that was the first song that I have recorded uh, since Vance was born. So well, I, I, I got to tell you, honestly, I tried to move. I mean, it was the first time I ever tried to add music. I moved it around a little bit and tried to make it to where it 
it came out like you'll notice a couple of times because, like I said, Andrew Aragon was in it. A couple of times you'd do a little bit like a, the single pick on the guitar as Andrew turned his head. It'd be, it'd be like a strum. Andrew would turn his head. It'd be like ding, ding, you know, with the, the guitar. Just if you haven't seen this video, people, watch my video with um, the Jocko tribute, Tim Sway's music in it. It came out pretty good. It's not perfect because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but um, just neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Tim. So now I can't talk for the rest of the podcast because I've used up all of my allotted time. And you can also stop bugging me to give you music for one of your videos. Now it's official. You got to stop bugging me because I did music. <laughs> Whatever, that ain't gonna happen. I'm sure you're gonna give all your other friends more music. Oh yeah, no, I've written a bunch of songs for a bunch of guys. <laughs> But you just got an old one from like 20 years ago, you know. Phil's staring at us like, really? This is oh, just Phil, going to Oh, Phil, what have you been working on, buddy? <laughs> oh, hey. Sorry, I just, I like, I just aged 10 years. Phil, um, <laughs> Let's see here. What am I working on? Dear Lord, what day is it? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So, um, the Etsy order sort of came back uh, with a vengeance. And uh, so that's what I've been doing. Like, I lined up working almost all day on Sunday, building two whiskey boxes and a step stool. I got a step stool out last week. Um, so I'm going to try to get another video out. And the thing that I need to make is uh, light fixtures. That's what I'm going to make. I'm going to make like two uh, kind of to replace my T8s, you know, like the big long fluorescents. Mm-hmm. Except I don't want to use those. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a box out of some uh, pallet slats. And then inside them, I'm going to have regular A19 sockets. And then I'll put some, uh, some like, clear plastic, whatever, I guess acrylic. And then I'll sand it down to make it opaque so it'll be, like, like a light box. And I'll put, like, three sort of sockets in there. I don't know. Anyways, when and I get cor- the video out. Of course up, you're going to use LED, yeah? I was thinking CFL because it's a little cheaper, but yeah, definitely not incandescent because yeah. I don't want the heat. Yeah, I think you really won't build it with that much ventilation. You'll you'll be okay with CFL, but if if you can find it in your wallet to go for the LED, LED has gotten cheap better. lately, man. And they're the last year, LEDs come way down. The thing, the and thing they is, is, I have forever. the CFLs yeah. already. So, like, if I was going to buy new, then yeah, I probably would just get the LEDs. How many? How many? How many would you need? How many? How many LEDs would you need? Like, how many sockets? Six. I'll send you six LEDs if you make a video and put my name in it. (laughs) (laughs) Deal done. All right. To Canada. (laughs) Pleasure doing business with you, Mister Lutz. Um, and that's that's pretty much what I've been working on. Write this Um, down. You're making me pause. Me, me, medium base, I take it. Medium base sockets, is that right? Yeah, A19s. Six LED. Okay. Actually, uh, next week I'm getting brand new internet. Woo. Oh, finally. Yay. Oh, no way. Yeah, Holy really smokes. Excited. That's awesome. Did like, what, tell us about this. This is what we're talking about. What, All right, t- we're back on. Time in. <laughs> tell okay. us about your new internet. <laughs> okay, so I am... Uh, well, the way it worked is I had a year-long contract where we paid for the whole year, but I canceled with them and uh, starting with a new company uh, next week. I think they should be coming in. They got to put in the dry loop and all that DSL stuff, but I'm getting like a 25 down, 10 up, so it should be great. Holy moly mothers of, of, of internet. That is amazing. That's going to really put excited. our podcast on another level. 
how can we afford that? I'm willing to. I'm willing to do whatever I have. I will give you 18 gigs of my 20 if you if you need it. It's very generous of you to offer something. I don't think it works. You that way. possibly give me. Um, no. Oh, I can't. No. I was going to send them with the light bulbs. <laughs> I, I guess that'll. I don't even know what to say to that. Why don't we uh, move on to uh, the topic? And uh, and Bill, you haven't said anything this this episode. Why don't you lead this one off? <laughs> <laughs> so the topic. Well, okay. First of all, hold on, because I, you know, I am I like the shout out king. Is that what it is? Yeah, you're yeah. the Howard Stern of makers. All right. So I have I have um, shout outs. I have shout outs tonight too. I'm just saving okay. it for the end. Okay. Well, so <laughs> that was so like eleven year old kid. I have shout outs too. No, mine are mine are mine are bigger than yours. They're huge. Yeah. huge. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. My shout out, this shout out goes so well with our topic. So what we've what we've decided to talk about this week, and this is something we've touched on, I think, in probably almost every episode. It's kind of weird. But we're we're talking about the pitfalls of reclaiming or using reclaimed materials. And that can mean many, many different things. And I thought that each of us could give a couple of examples of what that might be. But one, one of our listeners, Mr. Sean Davis sent an email and to make a long story short, um, very cool. Uh, he subleased his apartment for a movie set and the, the movie set guys came in with a bunch of lumber. And of course they just buy whatever off the rack they can get. They did this. And they left him with some 16-foot-long 2x8s that are warped. And his question was, what can I do about that and not cut them down? Because, you know, it'd be cool to have a 16-foot-long piece of lumber. It'd be a shame to have to cut it down. So they're 2x8s. So I asked him if he wouldn't mind if we just popped this up on the, the podcast because it talks about that's kind of a pitfall of – of using reclaimed, so, you know, reclaimed in the definition of getting something that would have, because they, the, you know, movie set guys, they would have thrown that stuff away, right? So he got it. So now he's got this stuff. It's a little bit warped. He was asking what you can do. Um, I'm going to give a couple of ideas that I think you can do with it. And I don't think it's going to be exactly the perfect answer he was hoping for, because there's just not a lot you can do. First of all, you have to think, what am I going to make that's going to be 16 feet long that you don't want to cut that wood? That was my um, first thought. Roofing yeah, joists? And, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm thinking, um, to me, the first thought I had was, you know, hey, what about a shelf in the garage? It just expands the length of the garage. Well, because it's so long and and whether it's warped as in bowed, like it's got a big hump in it, it's curved, or it's warped as in it's twisted from end to end, um, with enough brackets that are on, you know, with enough good sturdy brackets, it will actually straighten out as you screw them in. You just may have to use where normally you might use 10. You might have to use 15 brackets to make that straight. Um, depending upon the project you're, you're making with it, it, it would just be, it would be hard, but I would think you should be able to straighten it out as you mount it to something. So if it's, Again, I'm trying to think of what you would do with the 16 foot long piece of board. Let, um, let me ask you this: Can you can you take two pieces that look like they kind of mirror the warping and sister them? Uh, yes, if they're if they're warped, kind of like if it lays flat, but it's kind of like 
a rainbow. But if they're bowed, like you know what no I mean? It's flat, doing, but it's rainbowed out. I guess. Yeah. If you just found right. a mirrored piece, if, you t- if you've got two of them and they're and they're bowed, I see what you're saying. So you put one. So if you put it on the ground, the ends stick up in the air. You take the other one that if you put it up on on the ground on top of it, and you screw those two together, you've now got a four by eight sixteen piece that might be fairly straight. Right. So, Tim, what about you? Any ideas on this particular thing? One 16-foot-long toothpick on the lathe. Okay. That's actually pretty good. And this is my other suggestion. Check this out. You guys are going <laughs> to laugh. That's good. All right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's I be serious, see where you Tim. Go with this. Let's be serious, Tim. Sean, this is what you do, buddy. And you can straighten the thing out this way. I want you to cut this into about a hundred really thin pieces and you re-glue them together. You laminate it yeah. and it'll straighten out, my friend. It will it would straighten be out. You could do a bent lamination or you could like plane and like just mill this down. You'll just end up with half inch stock. It's Sean, the biggest thing is we don't know exactly what you mean by, by warped. If it's got a slight bow or a bend to it, you can plane it down and not lose a whole lot. Um, it would be difficult with a 16 foot long piece the the first thing to consider is what you want to build with it and if you need to cut it down to the lengths you have um i think i i know i i talked to somebody at work about this and the first thing they thought was well can't you just lay it flat on the ground and put some weights on it and leave it like that until you need it and it should be flatter i don't think so i what if, what if you hose it down with a garden hose would that and and then what weight it down and then, then weighted it to, I mean, could, would that work? I doubt it. I, I don't, you know what? We're, we're reclaimers. We're not like uh, Matt Cremona who would be yeah, able to I don't to know anything about question. You know, yeah. I don't know too much about I that. I mean, but. it depends on what you want to do with this thing. I mean, if you, ultimately it's a two by eight, right? So you're not going to be able to build fine furniture with this. It's too moist to begin with. It's going to have right. too much movement. So if you're using this for structural, then yeah, you probably could do that in my opinion anyway. If you actually wanted to mill this and use it to make tables and chairs and whatever, yeah, it's probably going to get a lot of movement, and the garden hose is not going to help that. <laughs> <laughs> when has a garden hose not helped? Well, he would when he when he hoses it down, he'll put it in his sixteen foot long kiln. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But yeah, then there it's weighted. If you weighed it inside the kiln, that would probably work. Yeah, if you had a sixteen foot long kiln. Kiln. So, so I mean, I yeah. I think that you know, obviously the wood has a lot of potential uses. Um, solar kiln, yeah. Uh, obviously, the wood has a lot of potential uses, and there's no point in necessarily cutting it in half right now, unless if you can store it. If you can't store it, then just cut it in half, you know. But um, I think that when the job arises where you're like, you know what, I need some wood for something, you're going to find that there. And once you start cutting it down in the manageable sizes, all these problems are not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, but, and that was I mean, kind of a thing, just, like without having to cut it roof. down, but mm. I, I don't know that you can. But um, but it's not it you know I mean if you're if you're building a, a building you're not going to use inferior wood for the support of the building so it's it becomes a non-issue you know like that's you put it aside and then you use the good wood and now you use the inferior wood for and that's what we do as upcyclists and reclaimers we use that inferior wood that wasn't up to the job it was originally in hand for or has already been used up in that job and done and now we find another purpose for it so that's that's your task is to find something that's not sixteen feet long by eight inches wide that you can make out of it you know. So, mm-hmm. so, so what I would say, Sean, honestly, and, and I have no doubt in my mind, you're going to come up with something. You're going to make something out of this. And it would be our honor if you would send us a, a picture somehow, either through email or what the magic of the internet that I don't know how that would work. 
Um, you could send Bill a fax. Please. <laughs> anyway, Take, buddy. Uh, carry your uh, pigeon uh, to bring that log to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we we wanted you to get the shout out. We appreciate the question. I don't think we helped you at all, but that's what we're here for. <laughs> I'm going to go with we totally helped because that yeah, makes me feel better about help. myself. Yeah. I'm going to sleep better <laughs> well, later. And that makes me feel better about myself. That's yeah. what it's all about. Good job, guys. High fives. You know, we use the title so, um, pitfalls of reclaiming. And, and I guess pitfall is just sort of another word for challenge. Like what are some of the challenges of reclaiming? And for me right away, the biggest challenge is that the, the material dictates the project a lot of the time. You can't sort of just go out there and like, okay, I'm making this. And you run out to the big box store and you grab, uh, you know, eight clear two by fours or two by eights or two by tens or whatever it is. You're really just grabbing whatever you've got. And, and then you're using, <laughs> you're using the material to make your, your project. Has that been a challenge for you guys as well? Um, yeah, I mean, literally the, the, the table I made, like I said, I had, I had this beautiful wine barrel top that I noticed had these splits on the end, which is why I had to, uh, I had to router it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest appearance by Mr. Vance maker, and I believe he's getting ready to go to bed, but I'd like to hear a hello from Mr. Vance. Go ahead. Say hello. Hello. Hey Vance. hi Vance, how are you, buddy? I miss you, buddy. They said hi. How are you? Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> he can't hear because I have the headphones on. So good night. Good night, buddy. Sleep tight. Oh, I want to give him a hug and kiss myself. Well, come on over. I'm. I might do that. <laughs> I have a You're... new bicycle. Perfect. Start pedaling. But anyway, yeah, um, a pitfall is, uh, is Phil, were you saying not having all the material that you need for a project? I was saying that a pitfall is essentially a challenge and that the material that you have when you're reclaiming dictates the project, not the other way around, which is what is the case when you're buying, you know, you're, you can buy whatever you want for whatever right. project you want. But reclaiming is, is you're making based on the material that you have. One, yeah, that's... one of, of many. Yeah, that's the that's the pitfall, but that's also the beauty of it. Like, yeah, be, uh, you that's know, a at least the way I see it, and I've obviously, I'm sorry, I'm just saying that that's the challenge of working with reclaimed. We use the word pitfall, but it really is more of a challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the you know, I mean, I've gone off, I'm sure, ad nauseum about my whole concepts of you know, black, white, and one other color, and this and that, and the other thing. But I, that's what I like is I like trying to find the solution. Is like, okay, I need to make this, and this is what I have, and mm -hmm. and and. Uh, there's a lot of beauty that can be found in that. So that the pitfall is, you know, from a, from a strictly like making perspective, if you're like a guy that just goes out or a girl that goes out and makes stuff and you're like, all of a sudden, like you're not allowed to go to that store anymore. You can't just go buy what you need. It's a pitfall. But to us or to, to reclaimers, I think it's actually more like a, you know, it's an inspiration. It's a challenge. And uh, what I would like to see is that, that line get blurry. So people that are like, oh, like, oh, I, I have to make this and I, I can't use that. I have to use this. I, you know, I want to see more of that. I want to see people because what happens is the end result ends up being different than what you expected sometimes. And, uh, and sometimes that's better, you know, and uh, magic happens. And that's what I live for. I live for the magic. So, so I, I, I also live write... for the magic. Something else. <laughs> I want to kind of write these down, like just real quick, some of the things that we're mentioning. Uh, the first one was uh, inferior material. 
having to, and, and these are all just solutions that are waiting for us to solve, basically. So inferior material where you would have to, uh, a solution to fix a warp or come up with ways to, to use lumber, cut it down, whatever, and or whatever material it is. And the second one we just talked about is where the material dictates the project because you don't have the ability or we don't want to have to run to the store to buy everything that we need. Is that uh, accurate so far? Yeah. You know, another one is um, uh, the accuracy and precision uh, it gets much more difficult when you're navigating use and wear and age, you know. Uh, and then oh, and then another one would be blades because I don't care how many nails you pull out. If the stuff's dirty, it's still killing your blade, you know, and you're still going to miss a nail. <laughs> so blades is a huge one. <laughs> That's actually, you know, I was going to mention that too. We uh, always talk about, especially with pallets, is denailing. And what a lot of people don't realize is you also have to keep an eye out. A lot of these pallets are outside. They've got heavy things on them. They're on the gravel. They're on ground. They've got rocks embedded in it. They've got asphalt chips embedded in it. They've got gravel stuck up in there. And one of the most important safety features of ever dealing with pallet wood is those eyeglasses, those safety glasses. Because you may have gotten every nail out of there, but... Get a rock flying at your face at, you know, 200 miles an hour, a little pebble. It's, yeah. it's pretty and, bad. So. And a lot of pallets have already been reclaimed. Many times pallets, because the, the people that are in the pallet business, they pick up the pallets and they rebuild them and they send them out again. So a lot of times, like, there are nails in places you don't expect to see the nail. Exactly. Uh, that's happened to me many times where I've, I've been like, oh, I, I cleaned this one up pretty good. I'm not worried about my new blade and pff, it's gone, you know. So on the positive note of that though is is you do get those things out of there and some of the some of the character of pallet wood is some of my favorite things in the world to deal with. You get you get those slats that all have like pretty decent nail holes. You got two on the ends and two in the middle and and some of what you get to build incorporates that um in Casey's salon the the seating the benches that I made I picked the best pallet boards I could that all had that. So every one of them was lined. It just, it was kind of neat to take this raw material that's reclaimed and line up all the nail holes. Yeah. So it and, looked really cool, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I want, I want you to talk next, Phil, but I just want to add to that, that when they make pallets, they make it out of the crap wood by what's the def- definition of crap wood, right? Because it's most more likely to twist and more likely to crack and this and the other thing. But often speaking, that wood is actually the really pretty wood. It has the irregular grain patterns and the interesting colors and whatnot. And so what and they the do knots, is they take, yeah, everything. They take gra- crap green wood and then they nail it down to some other wood, which is what we were just talking about straightening out that two by eight. That actually, as, as it dries, it's drying nailed to these two by fours and it ends up drying flat and straight wood that would otherwise have warped and twisted if it was dried in conventional ways. So you end up getting these completely unique pieces of wood that you're not going to find really anywhere else. Hmm. Well said. Yeah. Do either one of you guys use a metal detector? No. I have a metal plate in my head. (laughs) Yeah. I can't, you know, buy a, so much I want to say right now, but we're friends. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I've just seen that. I do use a magnet. I have a pretty good, strong, I have my, my my welding magnet, a lot of people don't realize, is a beefy, big bonsai magnet. So I will use that sometimes if I'm worried about it too much. But I honestly, I I get I get what I can see. If I can't see him, I either try and avoid the area or I just duck as I'm cutting him on the table saw. Haven't you ever seen in my videos where all you see is my arm going on the table saw? It's because I'm ducking. That's why. Half of mine is these sparks. You know, as I'm cutting, <laughs> yeah. cutting wood. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't mind hitting um, my table saw blade with a with a nail. What about you? Know, okay, so you. <clears throat> just the thing that I that I really don't want to hit is a planer blade, or even worse, is a hand plane blade or the hand plane yeah, iron. That upsets me because it takes so long to grind it back down again. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't care too much about my saw blades, but when I hit my angle, my my planer, I get upset. That's. That's sad. That sucks. Wah, wah. <laughs> what are the challenges right, here when looking for reclaimed? Well, I, here, let me ask you guys this because, well, you, you, you guys will answer this easier than I can. Is, um, uh, and we've talked about this before too, like a lot of things. But when it comes to now, now you've made something out of reclaimed materials, what do you tell your customers that are buying it? Do, you know, the, the, the explanation of is it all reclaimed? Is it not reclaimed? Are they aware that it's reclaimed? Do they understand that it's it's going to have pockmarks and nail holes and and things like? Has that been an issue for you? Have you found somebody that wanted specifically? Can you build me a reclaimed coffee table? And then they see it and it's like, why is this wood all old looking? <laughs> That's never happened to me. Never once. <laughs> I do get. Can you build me a reclaimed walnut? table uh and wow. i'm just like no i because they, they just don't they don't get it like they they see the live edge walnut and the reason and they don't they don't see the difference and i just already don't want to deal with that okay is it wrong of me to say what you should have done is just built a regular pallet wood coffee table and then stained like it walnut well not stained at walnut but get a whole bunch of walnut shells and put like an epoxy top of <laughs> walnut shells <laughs> Wait, this isn't what you meant? Yeah. Uh, I had dinner. I just boxed the walnut shells in. Um, and then, but, but make a pie to go with it from the walnuts and then offer that as like a bonus. Well, you know, this is way off topic, but this is something that really steams my broccoli. Is that there are people that <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Is, is that the vegan version of grind my gears? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the that's vegan, a vegan version. version of pisses me off is what yeah. it is. <laughs> it's like finding out that there's rennet and cheese and being a vegetarian all these years. <laughs> but uh, is that like I've had customers contact me like, oh, I have this table I bought. This guy made it out of reclaimed wood and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, I was hoping you can match it. And they send me a picture and it's and it's the two by eights that have been cut in stained walnut and made into a table and people are selling it as reclaimed on, you know, on, <laughs> on these various internet sites and whatnot. And that upsets me because now this person has an inaccurate and unrealistic expectation for what reclaimed is. People that buy crap lumber at, at the box stores, hit it with hammers, put it together and sell it as reclaimed are destroying like the industry, uh, not just the reclaimed industry, but the furniture industry, in my opinion. Um, that's just not cool. So if you're doing that, please stop. That's not reclaimed. Don't lie. I, when I would, you lie, yeah, you just ruin it for everyone. I would say that's not destroying the industry that, because there is an industry for that, but it's not reclaimed. It's called distressing. Right. Distressed or rustic, but don't lie. Just don't lie. Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. But don't I mean, there is, you know, where you buy, people are buying, you know, newer dressers, but distressing them, making them look older and stuff. But yeah, the, the honesty has got to be there. Hey, that's what this mm. is. It's a distressed. Yeah. I bought an Ikea piece of furniture and I, and I hit it with a hammer and I repainted it and I'm selling that. Don't say that it's an antique. Don't say it's, Well, it know. wouldn't be an Ikea piece of furniture because if you've uh, saw uh, Lynn <laughs> or Darb and Orver, she took apart an Ikea couch and I think there was one piece of wood and, a, and about eight staples. That's all that's in an Ikea couch. So, 
Yes, They're easy to move. There. Yeah. She, she's tearing apart. There's nothing here. That's amazing, isn't it? It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's kind of genius in a lot of ways, and and it's you know, environmentally genius. friendly in some ways. If they're not using anything to make it, <laughs> it's kind of like an air furniture, blow up furniture. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say is that another big challenge when it comes to uh, misrepresenting something as being reclaimed is that uh, it really is very deceitful because it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to reclaim wood. And if you're just buying something for 10 bucks and calling it reclaimed, you're commanding a much higher price, but you're really, you're kind of stealing. It's not, you're not doing the right thing there. That's uh it's a real, it's not an ethical gray area. It's pretty black and white. Mm. How yeah. So how would either one of you, I, I would ask you, a customer comes to you with a picture of a two-by-four made reclaimed table. How do you explain that to them when they want you to make an actual reclaimed table that's beautiful? It's explain what it is, what they're looking at. Yeah, but, you know, there's one case where I had where the customer had actually already bought it. And it was like they took a picture of it in their house and they wanted me to match it. And, I, and it, it was – I. I t- it took me a while to write back to her. I, I don't remember what I decided. Uh, it was a few years ago, but um, I couldn't. I was like, part of me wanted to be like, yeah, that's not really reclaimed. But then the other part of me didn't want to like upset her, like that she paid for reclaimed and didn't get it. And someone's gonna pop that bubble for her at one point. All right. So here, look here. Here's another. Here's another issue of a pitfall, shall we say, or a challenge, or a future solution to reclaiming and that is storage and we just talked about this recently is you know that that balance of i find something what i can i should i make something out of it that may or may not sell that was last week should i just dismantle it to make stock from it store it um do i have the room that that urge that you have to get every single piece of something that just might have some value someday in the near 10 year future and just put it all in my house or where's that balance? And I'm sure we all do that. And from, from the professional, I would start with Tim and then Phil, and then I'll give you my opinion on, on what that balance is of, of how you do that. And we talked a little bit about everything, like I said before, but let's go over it again. Yeah, we have talked about that and it is a, a huge um, pitfall because, you know, you see things that you, you think you can use and then you find out you can't or you find that, that it's readily accessible and there's no point in actually hoarding it and storing it. And and then there's the, the, the environmentalist part that just wants to save everything. And, and that's something that I've been refining my approach to over the years that I definitely am different about stuff now. And then there's also the, the, uh, the footprint to go get it. Like someone's like, Oh, there's a, there's a great stack of lumber, but it's 45 miles away. You know, it's like, well, now is it worth going there? Um, send me a picture, you know, but cause it might be, you know, but, uh, it, it is a, a thing that I wish I had a solid answer right now. I'm at this point where I don't store pallets because I know they're easy to get. And, uh, you know, but when a deal comes up, to where I can buy some wood that I like the look of that I, I know I can sell and I can use and have it in my inventory. I, I get it if I can get it for that right price. And like the last time I had a, I spent a lot of money like that was when my, my, my place that I get a lot of stuff from was losing their, their retail location. Now they have a new one. Um, and so they were doing like a fire sale and trying to get rid of stuff. And so I bought all this wood and I've been sitting on it for about a year now that, this one particular type of wood doesn't have a lot of structure to it, but it's very pretty, you know, 
and I've been sitting there for like a year now, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And now, just now, as I'm starting these bills for this adventure rooms thing, I'm I'm like, all right, this wood's paid for now because it's perfect for what I'm doing. It's a plywood substructure, you know. So uh, the structure is being made, and so uh, you know, I went back and forth with them on you know where the structure is going to be, and and uh, so I'm like, I'm like, oh, see, it worked. But even when I bought that, then a year ago, I was like, oh, I I might be sitting on this a while, you know. It's it's tough. I'm still work working on it. Okay. And Phil, what about you? Because you just recently did something amazing with something that you saved with that, um, was it wal- or an oak table leg? Walnut table leg? Cherry table leg. Maple? Maple table leg? Was it, it was not pine. It was not a pine table leg, and you made an amazing computer desk sass- moderator. Sassafras, right? Sassafras? Yeah. What was it? So, orange. So, orange. It, orange Ocala. No, it was cherry. It was cherry. So the uh, the laptop stand that I did was out of cherry. Yeah. Uh, so I really at this point am very uh, picky. Like like Tim, I'm not really grabbing pallets. Um, only if I see something really great will I sort of grab it for inventory because I don't have that much storage room. So unless it's awesome, like those um, like the coffee table legs that I end up getting and milling down, and they turned out to be like soft maple or whatever. So unless it's something great like that, I'm just not getting it. But for the most part, I'm not picking up things that I'm going to rehab. I'm not really looking to sand down uh, bureaus and drawers and stuff like that and, and to refinish them. I'm really into just picking up inventory for material to make into my own projects. So that's that's my thing. What about you, Bill? Um, I do both. I have um, I do have a little bit of uh, advantage to where at work I have a lot of storage room. I've reduced the inventory I have at my house by much fold. I was able to give so much really good metal and wood away, thank goodness. Um, but now I'm trying to use, I'm trying not to buy anything. The next few projects I make are going to be what I have. They're going to be what I have collected because um, I know I can go out and get more. We've talked about this before, just the area I live in. But I'm not going to do that. I'm, I don't have to do commission work, so I'm just going to make some projects. And I should be able to come up with what I need here, other than uh, hardware, nuts and bolts or whatever, which I have a whole mess of as well. But that, that brings me, uh, this reminds me of something that Tim was saying that is a pitfall that a lot of people don't realize when we're talking about reclaimed material not all of it is free. There's actually, sometimes you need to go to a lumber yard or a place that sells reclaimed material. So it's not, because I think a lot of people, when they get started, they're thinking, oh, well, I can find a pallet. That means I can find barnwood. That means I can find this. That means I can find, and a lot of times that's not true. You're actually, you're having to shop for reclaimed wood as you would regular going to a lumber yard for new wood. So it's not always free. And I think people need to be aware of that. When you, I, yeah, when, when you get into the that price for a difference. So, Tim, I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah. What What's the price difference? Is it a little bit more expensive? Is Is yeah. it the same? The kind of the going rate in my area is like eight bucks a board foot for for reclaimed Whoa. wood. Yeah. Wow. It's, what kind of reclaimed wood? Well, what's, with the history and the character, you know that people. I don't pay that. I mean, I. What I does did, that mean? Does that mean like old growth pine or are you talking chestnut? Oh, it's all like dug fir and pine and stuff. And some some chestnut, a lot of it, you know, sometimes chestnut, it's all kind of the same. It doesn't matter what it is. But there's a lot of it is a lot less expensive. Um, like the, you know, It's verifiable. Boards. It's verifiable, historic, old. Well, you, you look at the, 
here's the problem. Like, okay, you know the giant table made with the metal banding on it? Yes. I actually paid eight bucks a board for for that. Well, the customer paid eight bucks a board for for that because they wanted that two and a half inch thick stuff and they they wanted a certain look. So I found the wood and I paid for it. Or they, they you know. Um, But that wood came from a barn in Maine. And this upsets me. Came from a barn in Maine that was dismantled and then it was trucked down to Connecticut. So there's all the expense of dismantling it and then trucking to Connecticut and then there's a showroom and then there's a guy that has to pay rent in the showroom and there's a sales in the drove okay, the forklift that, that got it sense. off. There's there's a footprint to that, just like there's a footprint to going into, you know, North or Central America or South America and cutting down that beautiful mahogany tree and chopping it up. You know, so I don't want to do that. I want to work locally. Every once in a while you get lucky and you find some guy that's got some barn on his property that you can take the stuff from. I don't have the time for that, but I have my my friend Joe, who runs Urban Miners, that's what he does for a living. He tears these down. He tries to save everything. So 90% of the time, I am buying from him when I have to buy. And I'm and it's local stuff. And I can say, this is from New Haven, and you live the next town over. So this is like your neighborhood. And if that was built in New Haven in the 1850s, that means that they just basically clear-cutted the lot where that house was. So there's going to be oak. There's going to be chestnut. There's going to be pine. There's going to be duck fir. It's all going to be whatever was growing there. That's as local as it can get, and that's the smallest footprint you can get. And that's a, a pitfall, yes, but it's also, again, where the beauty is, you know, if you can work that way. Sometimes you get customers, you just can't, but. Yeah. So you do, I guess, if you're making things as large as a dining room table and you want it all to be reclaimed, then, yeah, chances are it has you're going to have to buy the material. Yeah, and it has to, you know, I mean, it. I get lucky, like, so I try to, now I know that, like, two-inch thick dug fur, for instance, which is a great reclaimed wood. It has the look that everybody wants, and, and it's used in a lot of stuff. Whenever I get the opportunity where I can buy some two-inch thick or whatever, like, two-by-fours, like, real two-by-fours, pre-dimensional, you know, or whatever, two-by-sixes, two-by-eights, whenever I can get a chance to buy those from my, my guy there, I buy them. I'll, now it's like the way he works is it's off-site. So he's not paying to ship it to his store where I go and pick it up. And has, So I'll go to the site where they're tearing down the house, and I'll load my truck up, and I can get it for way less, and I can bring it to my barn and store it. And that's oh, why that's I, great. That's why that's I'm in the barn. Excellent tip. When those excellent opportunities tip. come up. You know, and then sometimes, like, I had a customer that I don't think I'm going to get the job, but they had gotten some wood on their own. They got this white oak, this two-inch thick white oak. Beautiful wow. stuff. The guy just knocked on someone's door. And uh, and he was starting to build a table by himself, but now he's got a job again, and he doesn't have time. They're thinking about hiring me to finish it. This, I was looking at the stuff. I'm like, I'll do the job if I can keep the wood. You know, like that's going to knock the price down half. You know, um, that that guy got it for free, so it's out there if you do the legwork. But that's the, yeah. the that's the pitfall. You can't just go to the box store and buy it. You got to do the right. work. That's so far. I've been very job, lucky. That's fun. been. That's been sort of my only experience in buying wood has been from the big box store. I've never really bought wood at a lumber yard or even any hardwood at like a hardwood dealer. So that's sort of the next chapter for me is to do that kind of stuff, which I'm pretty excited about. But so far, everything, all the materials that I've worked with, apart from like some two by fours, have been reclaimed and have been free. So it's been pretty great. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and then... um the other thing I'm into now, and I kind of made this point with the Sterling Davis palette challenge, and I never really talked about it, but the point of that video was I had this very nice looking dining table that was outdated that I could, I got it for free. I could have refinished it and tried to sell it locally for $150 to $200 if I was lucky, or I could cut it up and just make other stuff with it, like the chessboard that I just made. And um, so that was kind of the point of that. Is like I was cutting this solid maple table up and people were like, oh my God, but it's great wood. And there's way more value in that 
if you cut it up, then there's if you try to keep this crappy, outdated table together. And that's it's it's tough because you look at this beautiful piece of work. It's really hard to take a skill soft to it, even for me. It's really hard to take a skill saw to it, but when you can, if you can get over that, that hump that this is something, you know, this can be something again, it doesn't have to be this. If you can have the vision to look beyond the current state that it's in and see that there's a hundred chess pieces in here and there's a hundred chess boards in here and there's a, there's a hundred, you know, uh, six pack beer totes in here, whatever the hell you're going to make out of it. It's all in there. Get over it. Cut it up. It's great wood. Don't go to the lumber yard. Cut up that dining room table. Go go to the secondhand store that has a nice dining room table. Buy it for 50 bucks and cut it up. It's still less than it is going to the, the, the store, and you're doing the right thing for the environment, and you're doing the right thing for everybody else. Some people will say you're doing the wrong thing by cutting up this beautifully nice table, but you know what? No one else is going to use it. You're going to find more value in it. That's upcycling 101. Right, right. I was going to say that's one of the, the best resources we have are thrift stores and uh, secondhand stores. Yeah, and not, <clears throat> and not all fired up because of some recent YouTube activity i've had <laughs> right, so, so the last thing i think we we should talk about um uh, one of the pitfalls is just some of the dangerous materials themselves and we all know about the pallets got to be heat treated not anything else um watch out for lead paint can you think of uh, another thing i was going to say is understand that if there's stains that don't look normal or smell really bad even on reclaimed lumber that somebody says is from a barn who knows what that might be? It might be diesel fuel. It might be, I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. So any other thing you can think of that that might be contaminated, reclaimed materials uh, to watch out for? I know a lot of press wood, too, has got glues and chemicals in it that if it's burnt, you're like, oh, I can't use this. I'll destroy it on the fire. That, that might cause some uh, 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 quality of air issues. Anything else? We talked about um, pressure treated. Pressure treated is another big one. Paint, and lead then, paint. Is that lead paint? Yeah. Mm. Um, I just guess like nails and all of those things, just to make sure that you stand clear. If you're going to be cutting them and you're not sure if there's a nail in there, I mean, you don't want this thing coming out at you. I can't really think of anything else. Yeah. Mm. Uh, episode Tim, three, you can see a picture of. Uh, and say episode three, you can see picture of a uh, nail in Bill's face, I believe, on the, uh, the caption. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I do have that as the uh, as the avatar image. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. I, I don't know in general. Oh, oh, actually, there is there is a couple more things to watch out for. Is um, thinking something is is uh, set out on the curb or in a parking lot that's free, that's not. <laughs> so be be careful when you go to get something and you're loading it in the back of the truck and this big burly person comes out and says, you know, what the heck are you doing with my blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of times, you know, one of things... we just put our furniture out here for a few minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's in the middle of our it's driveway. Okay. It's okay. It's for the environment. Yeah. Yes. We're trying to it's save the world, sir. And I would, I would say that to the, to every relationship between human beings on the planet, communication is key. Ask if you're not sure if something is free or not that's sitting on the curb or in front of somebody's business. Yeah, knock, knock on the door. On, yeah, knock on the door. Ask. Say, hey, I I reclaim for I. And, or you could lie. I mean, you could say, hey, I'm saving. Uh, there's a there's a burning building right now. All these people are homeless. I'm saving them by making them a new bed. Can I have that? I'm good with that. But try to you know try to no, ask. Don't, don't just steal it. Don't lie. Don't ever lie. Don't, don't lie. Don't are you lie. sure? <laughs> just don't lie. What about white lies? Oh well, you, yeah. I mean, you know, you spare look spare feelings. Yeah, that's, that's cool. 
Well, there's there's feeling. also the Duresta gray area. We right. can't ever forget about the Duresta gray area. The gray area. Yeah. Okay, what are we watching? I'm going to go first. So, um, what are you pointing at? You. What are you pointing? Yeah. So I am going to um, I am going to tell you that I'm watching my friend uh, Bill Lutz's video, and I thought it was really amazing. Uh, that's who I'm watching which this one? week. Which one? Because I did two. Which one? Actually, they were both really, really amazing. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I was really, really impressed with the um, with the middle finger one. That one was super cool, and uh, and I also really liked the cocktail table that you did. So really, really well done. Good job. Oh, Phil, thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure. When you know, real quick, when do we get to see something from you? I know I I some I have a feeling you're just going to sneak something out really soon. Uh, I wish I wish that were the case, but I'll probably do something. I would love to do something this weekend and then have a video out for next week, which I'm going to do those light fixtures. That's what I want to do. Well, I like it. I like it. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, um, I have I have some shout outs I have to do. So I love uh, shout outs. I know. So so first off, I want to mention that you know there's it's Maker Fair season and. Wow. Uh, Yes, the dog. <laughs> that was um, Danny. Uh, hey, Danny. Uh, it's Maker Fair season, and uh, my friend uh, Rob Dean from the Rob Company or the Rob Co. and our friend Joel Crawford from Missing Digit are both going to be at the Atlanta Maker Fair this coming weekend. So anybody in the Atlanta area uh, might want to go check it out and say hi to those guys. They'll be down there. And there's another guy in the Atlanta area. He's got, um, I make things. I like to do stuff. I forget what his channel is, but he's going to be there too. Um, So Atlanta Maker Fair, go check that out. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is that I, on Instagram only, am having a giveaway up until October 8th. I, I got a whole bunch of those uh, bandy clamps made by Rockler. They, they mailed me a bunch of them. And just like way too many for me to use. So I want to share. So I've got uh, like sets of each size, two of each size that I'm giving away on Instagram. And all you have to do is put a picture of your favorite project that you've made out of reclaimed or upcycled materials on Instagram. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Just be whatever, something that you have made. Put it on Instagram with the hashtag uh, Bandy Sway Giveaway is the hashtag. Bandy Bandy. <laughs> now, 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 I just, I'm just curious. Can mm-hmm. I post everything you've ever made with that hashtag? Would that work? Only if you were me. You have to post. I, maybe I said that wrong, but you should post your favorite reclaimed or upcycled project that you have made. The, the, what uh, if the, I say that I made them? Well, you, you can lie, but if you go back to a few times in this episode, uh, you shouldn't lie. Don't oh, lie, right. Bill. I forgot. Don't I lie. forgot. Hold on. I, I'm older now. I, I lose things. Okay. Don't let me write this. Don't lie. Don't lie. Got it. Lie. I got it now. I got so, it. Go ahead. So Instagram bandy sway giveaway. It goes. I think I put the date of October eighth. And basically, I'm just gonna just do a random drawing and give someone some some clamps. And they're they're very useful clamps. So I wanted to plug that. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was that Miter Mike from Miter Mike's Workshop hipped me to this. Um, Anna White, who's a YouTuber. Uh, she has a, a very successful channel and she just started a website. Everybody grab a pencil. You're going to want to write this down. She just started a website called pineandmain.com and it's a place to sell things that you make and to make custom orders for people. But what's different about this, it's a little bit different than Etsy and it's a little bit different than custommade.com, which is one of my favorites, um, is that it's geographically ge- geocentric. I don't know. It's geographically based. So it's designed to help 
consumers find makers in their geographic location so they can make things for them and, you know, and discourage people from shopping. So, uh, I think that what she's up to is great. Um, I'm a huge supporter of that concept and I want to see her website become successful. So all of you out there go out and, and create accounts and, and be available to make things for people in your neighborhood because it's the best thing you can do. And, uh, let's, let's help out Anna White. So the link is to a video that she has on her channel, talking about the launch of this website, pineandmain.com. So go check it out. Awesome. Nice. Who's All next? Right. Oh. Bill, did oh, you do me? one? Is that, yeah. No, did I do one? Hold on. No. Okay. How about, how about just a few more shout outs? Cause I think that's the new name of our channel is reclaim shout outs. <laughs> um, Bill shout I would outs. like to do, and this is actually a reclaim shout out that what I'm going to do. Well, that too, but this is a reclaim shout out because Chris cute, has rebooted Channel Pass. And go to Chris Cute's channel, check out the Reboot Channel Pass, and see if you're interested. Everybody should get involved. It's a great idea about makers supporting other makers by showing everybody they know other makers' stuff and channel and sharing their channels. It's uh, Chris explains it way better than I ever could. I'd also like to say um, thank you to Marcus Hoffman, Hoffman uh, for coming over. Marcus, I love you. You're welcome anytime. I would love to meet your wife and your kids. And I would also like to say that if the boys can see this, but I got one of the famous Greg Porter twisted metal Sharpies. And mine is for left-handed people because it has a left-handed twist. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> nice. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I'd like to also thank Ragtie sent me some, some uh, gifts that were just beautiful. And um, I, I just I don't I don't say much because seriously it's emotional. Ragtie, I love you. Thank you. They were amazing. I'm going to make something out of them. And then real quick, also our buddy Paul Mayette made a Paul Mayette Mayette Mayette. You know that guy in Rhode Island. Mayette. He made a beautiful table for his daughter. And Paul, we just want to say that I I think that or we all want to say that you're an amazing supporter and we love you. And that table came out great. So who am I watching? Well, there's a reason why I picked this guy. Um. Uh, he's got a few subscribers. Uh, I'm not sure if he's at a gazillion or a couple hundred thousand, whatever it is. Peter Brown, Mr. Dippet, Shop Time, Peter Brown. He also, uh, Mar- Marcus Hoffman stopped by Peter's house um, and spent the day with him making a shift knob. And Peter put out a video of that, and it's awesome. Mar- they put a little tiny Hot Wheel Volkswagen Beetle into a uh, resin and turned it on the lathe. Marcus actually turned it came out anyway. Peter Brown turns amazing things. My first maker fair where I met Jimmy, David, Bob. I also met Peter for the first time and I was already starstruck and couldn't talk all that well anyway. And here's Peter Brown. And I remember I just watched his video where he made a wine stopper out of dipping cardboard in resin. And he had it with him and he was showing some people. And I think our conversation went something like I walked up and I'm like, uh, Peter Brown. He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I hold it? And he had to be the wine stopper. Uh, And I'm like, it's so cool. And I handed it back and it's like, so second maker fair, I got to see him again. And he's like, Oh, I remember. Yeah. Bill, how are you? Our first meeting was a little awkward, huh? And I'm like, yeah, now our second one is too, but I love Peter. And, (laughs) 
It might be I the funniest it. thing you've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I love I love Peter, and he's got he would like to weld something, and he's never welded before. And um, I'm thinking there might be a collab in the near future. He's got some bed frames, and I think some floorboards or something. He was thinking about some kind of a coffee table. So somehow or another, if it's possible that I could hook up with Peter Brown and do some kind of a collab video build with him and and show him how to melt some metal. What an honor that would be. So I'm looking forward to that. Check out Peter Brown's channel on YouTube. We will have a link. The man is amazing. He's a talented artist, maker, fun, fun guy. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do. We love us some Peter Brown. Okay, I think I'm done. Awesome. I'd love to see a collab with Peter. Right? Oh, man. And we don't live that far, which is kind of cool. It's like we live probably an hour away from each other. So, Oh, wow. That's nice. great. Yeah. Now, that knob that you that they made, did they, um, did they leave it matte or did they polish it? Oh, and that's the thing, too, is, is so <laughs> I, I love this part because they, they did not leave it matte. So I basically got to hold that knob and I got to hold what they polished it with. I held the polished knob in my hands. The knob polishing was amazing. Uh, Peter found these, uh, their diamond. Who, who polished the knob? Yeah, who was. Well, I would have to say they, they both probably polished their own knobs at one time or another. <laughs> but this particular one, Marcus polished his own knob. They went through, they, there's these little pads, I guess you can get to goes on the lathe that goes all the way up to, I think, 12,000 grit. And that's how, and Marcus was telling me, um, each one, it starts at like 600, just goes up and up and up and up and up. But you get to that last one as it's spinning on the lathe. And if you do it just right, all of a sudden it just pops and it literally looks like it's glass. This resin turns into like it's solid glass with a Volkswagen Beetle Hot Wheel in the middle of it. It was amazing. So polishing knobs apparently is a fun thing to do. (laughs) Hmm. Well put. And if you do it just right, it pops. (laughs) you know what people that's right we went there that's us you love us (laughs) um our channels on instagram twitter and youtube i'm phil pinsky i was was gonna say say? phil you can actually can you can can yeah i was gonna say i i didn't mean to interrupt you but because you went first this time we don't have to interrupt you because you already went so now go ahead that's sly Yeah, very slow. Well, that's true. Now you don't have to interrupt me, <clears throat> Bill. Why don't you tell everyone how they can get to you? Um, well, if you if you wanted to really really super bad, you could go to williamlutz dot com. <laughs> I have links to not only my YouTube, but to Pinsky YouTube, to Sway YouTube, to Make Build Modify YouTube, to Manifest the Salon. And I think I'm going to see if we can put um, a, a link to my favorite restaurant in Hayward where I live, but I'm not going to push that one too much. <laughs> He's really working the SEO here. <laughs> what about you, Tim? How can people find you? Uh, I'm in my barn in Meriden, Connecticut. Just give me a call. Come on by. Just uh, just hop on over. Yeah, Send over a few in. smoke signals. Yeah, whatever. I'll be there. Yeah. All right. Or TimSway.net. Whatever. Whichever. Name. Yeah. Um, contact us for show topics, suggestions, so, so, feedback. It, it, by the way, I want to always, yeah. always make sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I do it again all the time. 
I wanted to say real quick too, every week um, we do get quite a few questions and whatnot. And if we miss you guys, we don't miss anybody on purpose. We read every one. It's just a matter of figuring out the timing and everything. And I'm also not that bright. So go ahead, Tim or Phil or the, the, the Canadian. Go ahead. You know, that uh, brings up an interesting point. And I think I'm just going to pull up my favorite um, iTunes review that we just recently got. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, <laughs> let me see if I can get to that here. Um, what I was going to say is for you to contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, uh, comments, all that great stuff. You know, we, we love to hear from you. Um, and it really, really helps the podcast by, uh, you know, just keeping us in touch with what it is that you want to talk about and hear about and all that stuff. So uh, don't be shy. We really love hearing from you guys. Um, and you can do that by sending us an email, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com if it's going to be something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, involved or whatever. But if it's something short, quick, whatever, um, we'd love to get it fr- from you on Twitter, which is at Reclaimed Audio, um, you know, or you can send it to each one of us individually. Um, on iTunes, please leave us a review. And one of my favorite <laughs> uh, recent reviews that we've gotten, here we go here. Sorry about this, Bill. Um, let's what, see what? here. So here was the review, and this was a great one. He goes, <clears throat> dot, dot, dot. Perhaps I should get to iTunes and leave a review. I mean, Phil, you're great, man. I love your business sense and patience with Bill. Tim, you balance a great mindset for keeping it simple and love your style, and your patience with Bill is also tremendous. Bill, oh, Billy boy. I love you right back, and here it is, so pucker up. I love the fun humor and wit you bring. Great insight on fabrication and maker field in general. Thanks for all the love you guys put out to everything. Information empowers people and builds confidence. You guys do just that. So, you know, that kind of uh, feedback is something that we love to get, uh, especially in the form of iTunes reviews, which really help to grow the podcast and getting more people to listen to it. And patreon.com slash reclaimed audio. I'm going to say it one more time. Patreon.com slash reclaimed audio is absolutely the best way to help us out. So if you have a chance, get on there, take a look and see what, uh, what would be easy for you to give if you can. And, uh, and that's all I got. Tim, Bill. Thank you. I would like to just say, um, the very first review we ever got is the best review. Um, I'm, I'm just saying, so people, if you get a chance, leave us a review, but go back to the beginning and read the first review because that, that, that one, was the best one. The last that one, the one your mom left. Okay. Or? Huh? Yeah. That the that one, one that you yeah. That's the one that your mother left? Yeah. That's, That's the one I actually wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Bill is great. Yeah, the podcast sucks, but Bill is awesome. <laughs> yeah. My mom says I'm special. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. So, what, Thanks. What, Have what, a good uh, week. Uh, before nope. we sign off, was there anything else we were going to say uh, incredible, or are we not going to do that now? Uh, let's oh, say that the, next um, next week. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. We're going to say something incredible next week. We love you all. <laughs> Bye. everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>